0: Uh, GitHub Actions actually runs as the same identity across everything. And so if you just make calls to the GitHub API, you can get a valid signature for the GitHub Actions bot user, regardless of what repo that you put it in. And so it it becomes an interesting path for attack of dependency confusion of like, how do you know these things are actually legitimate? You know, part part of the difficulty is like, you know, Security for a lot of computer things is, you know, weirdly a very human problem. So even if you were like checking checksums, if CodeCov did a legitimate update, the hash would change. So then the question becomes like, how do you know that's actually a legitimate change or a malicious change?
1: That is a small taste of what's coming up in this week's episode with Billy Lynch. Now, we dive into the subject of software signing or application signing? How can we be sure that the components that we're using are legitimate and not malicious? It is a great starting point in understanding how it can play a critical aspect in the software supply chain and making sure it's secure. And I have to say, Billy is an absolute expert in this. And it was a privilege to be able to pick his brains, not only about how this all works and fits together, but how it potentially could have been used in some real-life attacks that have happened and how it possibly could have prevented it, along with all the latest developments and new tools that are coming out in this field. Billy is a staff software engineer at ChainGuard, working on developer tools and securing software supply chain for everyone. He's an active contributor and maintainer to the SIG store and Tecton projects, and is the creator of GetSign. Prior to working at Chaincard, Billy worked for several development tool teams at Google, including Cloud Build, Cloud Code, and Cloud Source repositories. So Billy has some fantastic credentials and definitely knows what he's talking about. But enough from me, I wanna dive into this episode. So I'm gonna hand it over to my partner in crime on the Security
2: Repo podcast, Dwayne McDaniel, to kick us off on this week's episode. How did that story go? How did you get into security in the first place?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I I got into security by way of developer tools. Um, So before I was at Chain Guard, I was at Google for, over eight years or almost eight years um so i started like the google code team Uh, that became the cloud source repositories team that became the cloud build team Um, and so i had this like like long winding path to end up in in supply chain security so you know back on the on cloud builds one of the things i was working on was basically integrations with with other ci platforms so like github uh, being able to like trigger things into cloud build, and so part of that is like you have to think about security. About like how do, how are you handling people's OAuth credentials? How are you storing them? How are you, you know, interacting with these platforms? Um, so I, I I was always really interested in like signing and cryptography and stuff like that. I took a cryptography course in, in college, um, and then when I started getting more involved in the open source side. Um, Dan Lorenz, our, our chain guard CEO, um, he was starting the six door project and I was like, huh, this is really interesting. Um, and then when Dan and Kim and, you know, our other co-founders actually went and started ChainGuard, um, that became like really, you know, compelling and tempting to like, Hey, like let's work on this and like really invest in this. Uh, so that's, that's how I sort of found myself in both chain guard, but also six door as well. Could you
1: maybe explain to the audience a little bit about what, um, so ChainGuard, what, what ChainGuard is, but also how that interacts with the six-door that you you were just talking about? So for anyone that's maybe not familiar with, with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so ChainGuard, uh, we're, we're a startup. We've been around for a little over a year now. Um, our whole mission is to make securing supply chains uh, by default and make that as easy as possible. Um, so we do a lot of work for, you know, working with what are you running in production, um, and even to sort of take a step back, um, like what is software supply chain security? Um, so what we're really talking about there is when you think of your like typical supply chain, um, you know, you'll hear on the news like, hey, you know, this this part in a car is being recalled. Um, you know, how do you know, like what part, what cars it's in, you know, what dealerships it went to, who actually bought the cars? Um and we're able to trace through like the, the the whole entire physical supply chain to know what's affected and, and things like that. And so what we really want to do is do the same thing, but for software and vulnerabilities. So knowing, hey, this new CVE drops, you know, it, it affects this particular library. You know, where am I using it in production? What assets am I using that are actually affected by it? Um, so tying together that, all that metadata in order to actually make, make you know what you're running and, and sort of what your, you know, threat model and like, you know, uh, when one of these CVE drops, like knowing how you need to respond or, or if you're affected at all. Um, so for ChainGuard, we do a lot of work for uh, making it easy for people to integrate those into their production platforms uh, the other thing that we do, so, th- so that's our chain guard enforced product, um, which is really just giving visibility and also policy enforcement to make these supply chain decisions of like, you know, what do I allow to run in production and, uh, sort of what's, what's running in, in my production cluster, uh, that I may not know about. Uh, the other thing that we work on is something called uh chain guard images, which is a set of secure by default, uh, Container images uh, that we build ourselves. So these could be uh, usually popular open source projects. So these these could be language images. These could be Prometheus. This could be you know whatever. Um, where we basically apply the same sort of supply chain security principles that we want to see out of like the entire ecosystem, but we sort of provide them um, for images that customers want. And so we can generate images. Uh, the, the, the goal is to, whenever you run a, a security scan on one of these images, you should get zero CVEs. Um, and we do this by automating a lot of like the remediation and patching like that. So uh, it's actually really impressive. I've seen um, like we have one of our images is like a Git image. And there was, there was like a recent announcement of like Git vulnerabilities that went out. And we were able to patch that and push that to production within an hour. Of, of the CVE dropping. So um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of cool work that we're doing sort of across the ecosystem. Um, and then to get back to the original question of how does SixStore fit into this? Um, so SixStore is an open source project, part of the OpenSSF, which is under the Linux Foundation. Um, and SixStore's whole goal is to make software signing as easy as possible. And so when we're talking about these supply chains, software supply chains, uh, part of the difficulty is knowing like, one, we need the data to actually link these things together. So we need to know like, okay, from your Docker image, you know, what's in there, like what software, what libraries, what dependencies do I have? Uh, but then the second thing is like, how do you actually trust that data? Like, how do, you, how do you know where is it coming from? Who's providing it? Like, is it actually something you can put faith in? Uh, and that's really where software signing comes in. Uh, so the idea there is, you know, you have this metadata, you will sign it with some key. And then that key basically gives you cryptographic cryptographic proof that that hasn't been tampered with or anything like that. Um, and so traditionally that was done with like GPG keys uh, or other sort of long-lived keys. Uh, but some of the some of the, the challenges that we you know we saw in the industry is key management is a very hard problem and. To expect everyone to do that right is is very hard and like a very like very very high you know bar uh, in order to as an organization make sure that you're you're you know in compliance of and so the idea behind SigStore was really like okay what if we can make that easier what if we what if users didn't have to think about key management and that's where the idea of keyless signing comes into play uh, so this is something that that that's part of Store. Uh, where instead of having users provision their own long-lived key, have to manage that, have to rotate it, have to protect it. Um, What we do instead is we generate uh, new keys on the fly. And the idea is you generate a key for a signing event, you you use it to sign whatever you want, and then you throw it away never to be used again. Um, And by doing that, you're basically rotating a key every single time, so you're drastically reducing that window. of like you know where it can be leaked and how it can be used and, and things like that. Um, and so there's there's a lot of work that goes into that. So instead of tying things to keys, what we do is we tie things to identities. And so when we generate that key, what we do is we send users through like an OAuth flow. So your typical sign in with Google, sign in with GitHub, things like that. And then we bind the key that you generate to that OAuth identity with the certificate authority that Sixstore runs. Um, yeah, and so that's sort of six door as a whole. Uh, so we at ChainGuard leverage that very, very heavily uh, to basically create these trust chains. Uh, because we're relying on OAuth, and because we're uh, like a lot of this is powered by OIDC, there's a lot of really cool things you can do with automation. Because if you look at cloud providers, GitHub Actions, GCP, AWS, uh, they actually provide OIDC providers for uh, the compute runtimes that they run on. And so if you apply this in those automated environments, you can actually get this for free without any user interaction. And you can just sign things as the service account that things are running as rather than like individual keys that you don't necessarily know who has access to, um, things like that. So I, I will pause there for questions because I
2: signing things in general, like why, why is this? important um, for the, there might be developers out there listening to this that haven't run into the signing problems yet. So could you just give us a high level and like, what are we even talking about when we say signing?
0: Uh, yeah. So uh, some of it is there, there's two sort of paths you can take here. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, signing is really the mechanism to prove that some data hasn't been tampered with and has come from like a source that you know, uh, so this could be, you know, from a developer. This could be, um, you know, often for your CI-CD platform. So you want to know, um, so like a, a common use case is for container image signing. Uh, ideally, you would only want to deploy things to prod that have come from your production CI cluster and not just from, you know, a random developer's machine. Um, so how you go about that is, you know, you build your Docker image. Uh, but then you sign that container as well with the identity or, or the key of your CI cluster. Uh, and then at deployment, what you could do uh, either with... uh has a, a project called Policy Controller, but you could also do this with, like, Hiverno, OPA. Uh, you can check these signatures and say, like, hey, before I actually go and run this, like, did this actually come from my prod CI cluster? Uh, and... Because of that signing and because of that cryptography, you can actually prove, yes, it did. Um, and so, where Sixstore comes in, sort of as the next step is not only do we say, you know, we we focus less on the key and we focus more on the identity. So it's not did this particular key sign this 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 data, but it's you know did my prod service account for my CI pipeline sign this data. And so that becomes a little uh, much more powerful for writing policies and. Caring less about the key distribution and key management mechanisms of, you know, doing that cryptography.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and there's a couple of moments where uh, you know, like the, I bring to mind where we're signing ha- has created the red flags, and I think that helps at least me to understand it. Like one that I'm thinking of is there was a supply chain attack uh, with a, a a tool in the CI/CD pipeline called Codecov. I um, don't know if you're aware of it, but Codecov, the bash uploader script, was. Was modified and how this whole thing ended up being discovered because it took nearly three months. Uh, was that the the signatures and in that case I think it was the hashes didn't didn't match up. Is that is that kind of in line with the scenario or is it is what you're talking about a level beyond that as well?
0: Uh, it's sort of the next step. So with the Codecov incident, um, you know, if you looked at the the instructions for how to install Codecov, it was basically just curl. CodeCov.sh, you know, pipe to bash. Um, and so that that's like very problematic because there's the, you know, how do you know you're actually getting the content that you expect? Um you know, in that case it was like redirected to some other source, or I think it might might have been served sort of from CodeCov, but it was injecting sort of bad content from there. Um so checksums might have helped there, right? If you were pinning to like particular versions, you would have been able to detect. Hey, something changed, uh, but then the next step with signing is like, okay, you know what the 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 checksum of the content and whether you know that's changed or not. But where did it come from? Like, did it come from CodeCov's production pipelines? Did it come from, um, or did it come from like some other source that just happened to have access to whatever S3 bucket or, or storage bucket that happened to host that that content? Um, you know, so one of the classes of, of things that we're trying to protect against is, you know, if there is, you know, if you do happen to get access to some production buckets, stuff like that, like just being able to upload content isn't enough. Like you actually want to be able to go through the whole entire review process. Um, and, you know, we need to have that metadata in order to make those decisions and we need to be able to trust that metadata. And that's really where, where signing comes in. Um because there, there's, there's also like other cases like we could go into like the SolarWinds attack where, uh, you know, even if even if you were checking checksums, that wouldn't have helped you because in that case, like the CI pipeline itself was compromised. And so that also gets into like a, a, a tricky situation.
1: Right. Got it. But signing would have uh, prevented these from happening.
0: Okay. You know, part of the part of the difficulty is like, you know, security for a lot of computer things is, you know, weirdly a very human problem. Um mm-hmm. So e- even if you were like checking checksums, uh, if Codecov did a legitimate update of their script, the hash would change. So then the question becomes like, how do you know that's actually a legitimate change or a malicious change? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could go and look through the entire script, see what it was doing. Um, is that realistic for everyone to do? Probably not. Uh, so what? signing lets you do is you know if you have some additional metadata to say like you know yes this has changed but it has come from a trusted source that gives us a little bit more protection you know it may not be perfect you know it may not stop like you know insider threat risks if like you know a codecov employee decided they were going to do something malicious intentionally Um, but it does help some of that you know hey there was a change but it came from this source and we can trust that source and so we're going to allow this.
2: Yeah, so speaking of, of trusted sources, um, I want to bring up Webflow, uh, not Webflow the page builder. Um, when I ever hear Webflow, just from my background, I automatically think of the page builder, not the thing that Google named their global signature key. Um, but that was something that kind of surprised me when I went to your session up at uh, uh, CDCon, GitOpsCon, um, was that this is a real problem out there that Google or not Google, I'm sorry, GitHub, big G, <laughs> GitHub, um, is signing everything with the same signature
0: across everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit surprising. I mean, it's, it's, it's a trade-off. Um, like there, there's definitely legitimate reasons to do it. Um, so for, for some background here, um, Webflow.gpg. So GitHub has a feature for signed commits, and whenever there, there's two ways to go about doing signed commits. Um, one is you can generate a GPG key um, or an SSH key now, uh, and you can associate it to your GitHub account. And then whenever GitHub sees a signature that matches that key, it'll give you that nice green check mark, um, and it'll say verified, and you know it knows to to tie it to your account. Uh, the other thing that GitHub will do is whenever you do any sort of web operation or API operation, um, you know, GitHub doesn't have access to your private key, nor, nor should it. Um, so, but, you know, we still want some of those protections around, like, you know, tampering and uh, also in particular for GitHub, uh, knowing that the commit actually came from the author it said it did. So Git is weird in that, like, you could just modify Git commit data Somewhat arbitrarily, and th- this has caused some issues before. Of like people, you know, you'll you'll see it all the time. Like people uh, impersonate Linus Torvalds. Uh, when GitHub had um, there's f- there's drama a few years ago with GitHub and D- uh, DMCA takedowns, and so someone impersonated the GitHub CEO on GitHub. They just like inserted their email, uh, and it showed up as as coming from from the GitHub CEO. So signing is useful in order to like tie, you know, did this commit actually come from that account? And so what GitHub does for these API operations is uh, because it knows it's authorizing you and it's making the commit and applying the commit, uh, what it's effectively doing is attesting to say, hey, you know, we saw that this user made this change, and we as GitHub are attesting to that fact. Um, so it does actually give you some guarantees of like, you know, did it actually come from this user? However, um, GitHub uses the same key to do this for every user across the platform. Um, and so, you know, to put, put my my tinfoil hat on, you know, you see issues like, um, you know, just a couple months ago, GitHub had to rotate their RSA key and that, that caused problems. Um, so, you know, like... I'm sure GitHub is, is doing all the right things to, to secure their keys and stuff like that, but things do happen. You do need to rotate keys. Uh, so the question I always raise is like, okay, well, what, what happens if uh, you know, this key ever needs to be rotated and you look around, if there's like automated tools. Uh, so I know for like, um like Kubernetes, they, they use a tool called prow to basically handle merges into their system Uh Prow will use the webflow.gpg key because it's using the API to ma- to merge those changes. So if you look at projects like Kubernetes, you look at projects, I think even like uh Sixstore itself, because you know we often hit the merge button um to to merge these commits in, into main, they're all signed by this webflow.gpg key. Um and this 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 creates some like weird behavior because um you can do some weird things with it. So I, 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 at my talk at CDCon, uh, I showed off this, you know, proof of concept where uh, GitHub Actions actually runs as the same identity across everything. And so if you just make calls to the GitHub API, you can get a valid signature for the GitHub Actions bot user, uh, regardless of what repo that you put it in. And so it, it becomes an interesting sort of path for attack of dependency confusion of like, how do you know these things are actually legitimate? Um, How do you know, you know, how much trust should you actually put in these signatures? Um, And then depending on how you model your threat model, it's like, you know, if GitHub, you know, one of the things we're looking for signatures is be able to detect compromises. And ideally the signature should be something that we should be able to check against the source of the content from, And so the nice thing about like if you bring your own key, like even if GitHub is compromised, since GitHub doesn't have your private key, they can't actually forge those signatures. And so you do have another layer of protection. But the question is, you know, if GitHub is ever compromised, do you have the same level of protection with Webflow that GPG? And that becomes a little more murkier. Um, But you know, I don't, I don't want to doom and gloom too much because you know all that is very hypothetical. But it's yeah, it's it's something that, that I find very interesting and, and something that's like, you know, it could very much be a problem one day, you know, if something ever happens to that key. It's like a very critical piece of infrastructure that we just don't realize day to day.
1: Pretty big single point of failure if and it is a big if, if that the key yep. gets compromised. And we've seen this happen before. Circle CI, uh, they compromise a the developer's machine. By deploying malware, and then we're able to compromise Circle CI and get into private repo, do all kinds of nasty stuff. You know, this is a scenario potentially if the right person was targeted, and depending on how GitHub has their key set up. You know, a lot of hypotheticals here, but you can you can see based on what has happened before how it could happen again. Yeah. One of the things just moving on here is there's a tool that you've been working on um, associated with called Rector. Could can you can maybe give us a quick overview of what ReCore is and how this relates into kind of the conversation around potentially adding levels of security in, in metadata and metadata and other areas when it comes to to, to supply chain security?
0: Yeah, so Re- ReCore is another piece of the six-door puzzle. Um, so I mentioned before, uh, part of what 6 does is, is it runs a certificate authority that knows how to like bind, you know, keys to user identities, you know? So when we look at the, like the webflow.gpg, like one of my dreams, you know, and I've, I've talked to folks at at GitHub about this is like, you know, if, if people are making these API calls to GitHub and they have their, their OAuth identity already, like, can we just do this, this keyless flow with Sixstore in order to like mitigate some of that, or at least spread the load over, over webflow.gpg. Um, but part of the challenge when you use the keyless flow is because the, the keys are only supposed to be valid for a short period of time, um, typically when you do validation with like X509 certs, you're you're not supposed to trust certificates after they're expired uh, because you're meant to like rotate a new one in. Um, and so that creates a problem when we want to verify these signatures days, weeks, months down the line, and these certs are no longer valid in terms of like signing and stuff like that. Uh so that's really where Recore comes in. So Recore is a transparency log. Uh, so if you're familiar with like certificate transparency logs with like Let's encrypt things like that, it's it's a very similar vein. Uh but this one is meant for signing events and attestations and and, and things like that. Um, so the idea is uh whenever you do a signature um with with the keyless flow or even if you bring your own key recur can support this as well um, you can upload it to recore and recore because it's backed by a merkle tree it's append only um, and basically it can't can't be tampered with like it cryptographically like cannot be tampered with once something has been added to the tree um, and so what we do is because as part of when it includes it into it's it's uh, transparency log. It will also include the timestamp of when it was included, uh, similar to like um, like a timestamp authority timestamp. Uh, so what we can do to verify signatures is look in ReCore and say, hey, does the signature exist with this key? And was, was it signed at a time where, where the certificate was valid? And with that, then we can go back and verify these signatures, even though the certificates themselves are expired. Um So that's like sort of functionally from a verification standpoint where ReCore is useful. Uh, The other thing that's really useful is it becomes this log that you can monitor for everything that happens with your identity. Uh, So you can go to like search.sigstore.dev and you can punch in my email and you can see every single thing I've ever signed with Sigstore. Uh, And so if you apply that for your production CI, you can start seeing, hey, what did this sign? When did it sign it? Uh, where is this being used? Uh, and that becomes a very useful auditing tool You know, if things ever start to go awry of like, where are my signatures floating around in the wild? Um, so there, there's a lot of power and value in that as well. And so um, SIGStore itself actually runs a public instance of uh, full CEO, the certificate authority and Recor uh, that any open source project can use. You can use it for free. Uh, the only trade-off is you have to be okay with all this information being public in the wild uh, but of course six being an open source project if you want to run your own you can uh, that's that's one of the things that we do at ChainGuard too we can help you know run private Sixstore instances um but yeah like our hope is for like open source projects to adopt this and to integrate this into their deployment pipelines so that everyone can start taking advantage of like these public transparency logs and this 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 information and metadata that's sort of freely available
2: Right on. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I think we'll put a link to Merkle Trees out in the description here. Um for people that might not be familiar with blockchain technology or just getting up to speed on it.
0: Um oh, so Merkle trees aren't actually blockchain. Uh Merkle trees are the same uh technology that power Git repositories.
2: I was gonna say the charts look very similar when you look at the what it does. So uh Matt Billman um uh, from Netlify uh, I heard him give a talk a few years ago at a conference I was putting on Said uh, if you think about it, Git is really the first broad blockchain that everybody adopted, uh, except unlike true blockchain, it's not immutable. You can't go back and mess with your history and completely modify it. But if it's shared, that's really hard to do and convince everybody else to update theirs. So it's kind of blockchainy, but all right. Um to bring things home, wrap things up here. Sounds like the whole name of the game for what you're concerned about is trust. And can we actually believe the signature? Can we believe the person actually done this? Can we trust the machine we're on? And I guess that's the whole point of security. Can we actually trust this is true and verify it? So in the long term here, um, how can devs and operations teams, DevOps teams, push toward better establishing that trust overall? Like, what, What's some tips you can leave for folks like how do we make our teams more trustworthy? How like, can we make our work more trustworthy, especially if we share it outside of our work?
0: Yeah, so I, I think that the easiest thing you could start doing is start signing. Um, if you're not doing it already, uh, there, there's a really robust ecosystem around container signing now. Uh, we're also seeing signing sort of pick up in other ecosystems as well. Uh, so we've been working with folks in the Python community, the Java community, uh, npm. So GitHub just announced public beta for npm Providence. Uh, that's actually backed by Sigstore as well. Um, you know, the, the first thing we need as sort of an ecosystem is, you know, we need the metadata, regardless of, pe- of whether people are enforcing it or not. Like, we can't make any policy decisions if we don't have the data. Uh, so starting to be able to produce that data, attach it to our artifacts, um, you know, it gives us a, there, there's sort of a carrot and stick here, right? So the, 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 the carrot is, uh, you know, being able to have this metadata is not only useful for one, for your organizations to have more trust in what you're deploying, but also if you ever need to debug what's going on, you leave that um, the bread the breadcrumbs of like, hey, what is actually running in production? What am I using? Uh, what libraries are in here? Uh, that gives you sort of rich metadata for how to respond and, and look into things. Uh, the stick is there's a lot of legislation, especially from the U.S. government, that's starting to come down around these things, around S bombs, around vulnerabilities and uh, vulnerability managements um and so signing becomes like a very critical part of that like you know you can generate sbomb but like where did it come from how do you trust it is it just like you know someone filling out an spdx document manually or is it like coming from automation things like that um so signing will really help automate a lot of this process uh and you know i think it will be a very critical part of like Hey, yeah, like we need to work with a vendor for, you know, and we need to prove, you know, here's the S-bomb and everything that we're using as part of like the, the software that we're shipping. You know, that should be very easy and something that we can trust because we have those signatures. We have those receipts in order to like trust that data and, and know that everything, everything that went into it. So it'll be really interesting to see how like a lot of these things develop over time. I think right now we're seeing like the early adopters phase of people that like see like see the value and really buy in. But I think very very soon we're going to see the the more regulatory side of like you must do this and it'll be interesting to see how companies sort of react to that.
2: I mean we're we're on the date now like you're you're supposed to be turning in those S bombs right now. Mm. Uh, what will happen and how many will get turned in and how what they'll even do with them when they get there. That's a whole other conversation we don't have time for today. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, it's super interesting, and you know, part of it is that log four j happens two years too soon. Where I think if log four j happens now, it would be the perfect test to see does did this S bomb uh, legislation actually work, right? Because we kind of need some kind of catalyst to be like. Because I remember uh, November, <laughs> every, like the the phones nonstop ringing, but everyone's trying to figure out. Because we're a vendor, uh, they're, they're trying to figure out what our exposure is it so that they know what their exposure is it through us. And then you multiply this through every element of your supply chain. No one had any idea. Right. If now if we had some S-bomb legislation in and better yet, if we were signing these things so that we could actually uh, be confident in these S-bombs. You know, I think when you put it in that context, it would make these big security catalysts, which are going to happen again. Believe me, it's inevitable. Uh, a lot easier Um, but it's a shame that it happened it it happened when it did because it, it would be an interesting trial right now to see to see where we are and if people did turn in their response um just to close up from the episode for i want to thank you so much billy for for coming on uh there's been a lot of technical information in here and i'm definitely one of these people where i'm going to need to kind of go down and look a little bit deeper into some of these areas so i want to ask you now where, where's a good place to start um and if people kind of wanted to follow you and i know you speak at conferences or uh, i don't I don't know if you share more contacts but what are some good resources and what is the best way for our listeners to kind of keep track of you and, and stay up to date when your presentations and what you're up to
0: Uh, Yeah, so if you're interested in learning more about SixStore, sixstore.dev is the main site. Uh, We have tons of documentation for how to get started in the different tools, Cosign, GitSign. Yeah, Cosign is for container signing, GitSign is for git commit signing, Uh, as well as the other tools for, like, the server-side components as well. Um, I would also highly recommend checking out uh, the OpenSSF on GitHub. Uh, They have a lot of resources for... uh, You know, securing your projects, like supply chain security, Uh, we work with them a ton. uh, You know, obviously with Sixstore being a part of the OpenSSF, but they they have a lot more resources for just like general you know security practices. Um, For me personally, uh, if you want to ever follow me, uh, I'm on Twitter. uh, WF Lynch is is my handle, Um, and yeah, if you're ever at a conference and you see me, always feel free to come up and say hi. I'm always happy to talk. Awesome. We'll put those. We'll put those links
1: in the show notes for, uh, for everyone.
2: Well, I will confirm. Yes, you can just walk up to Billy and talk to him at a conference. That's
1: really nice guy, Awesome. Well, thanks again, Billy. Dwayne, do you have any final words before we click the right bid button or?
2: I just want to say thanks again for being on here. Thanks for all the work you do out there trying to make the world more secure. We need more people thinking in those terms. So really appreciate your efforts.
0: Yeah. Thank you, happy to be on.